Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. My name is Timothy Langley. Today is September 18th, 2015. You are watching episode 26 of Tokyo on Fire. Today's burning issue is diet legislation on the security bills. That bill is being punched through the diet proceedings right now as we are recording and is likely to become law today. We love receiving your comments and having you participate in this discussion. You can contribute to our discussion by posting your comments at comments at tokyoonfire.com. We are also available on Twitter at hashtag tokyoonfire. Alternatively, you can post your comments directly into the dialogue box on YouTube. Finally, our podcast is available on iTunes. My guest and co-conspirator today is Michael Chuchek. Michael Chuchek is the author of the well-known blog Shisaku. It is the foremost blog on Japanese politics. You can read about Michael's views on a wide variety of issues on Shisaku. Michael is adjunct fellow at Temple University, and he is also the adjunct professor at Sofia University and at Waseda University, where he's teaching budding young minds about politics and international diplomacy. Welcome back, Michael. Good to be back. Last week, our burning issue was the My Number system. We got a lot of good hits and good comments on that subject last week. It's a, really a big issue. This week, we're talking about the diet legislation, which is being fought about right now. It's really two very, very different things. With the My Number, we have something that's just basically bureaucratic that people don't really know a lot about and see as very fearful. And then right now, in terms of this particular piece of legislation, it's been talked about a lot and people have been talking about it in public and arguing and protesting in a way that most Japanese legislation just doesn't get considered like right. this. My number is a bill that went through both houses of the diet and it became a law. Yeah. Right now, the, the security legislation it has passed the lower house. It is now in consideration at the upper house. Basically, the consideration has been finished. They're now putting it up for a vote. It is causing a lot of protests. Well, it's really, as we are recording these words right now, they're going through the process of getting this bill passed. It's not passed yet, at least last time we looked at any kind of communications, any mm -hmm. social media, but it's going to happen today. Now, this bill is has been in consideration for a very, very long time, many, many hours in committee. It passed through the committee, however, forcibly. It was not a smooth, and it was certainly not a, a clean process, and newspapers all over the world showed images of the members of the DPJ and other members of the uh, opposition parties rushing the podium and a free-for-all breaking mm -hmm. loose when the committee chairman said, that's it, this bill is going to a vote, and they just went bananas. Well, we knew that this was going to happen. I mean, it was kind of brinksmanship. The upper house is not quite controlled and dominated by the LDP. It needs its coalition partner to be able to manipulate and push these bills through the through the process. It's not a, a, a clean and guaranteed process as it is in the lower house. Well, they, they don't have complete control over all the committees, but they do together have a majority. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the committee, what was done was that the chairman promised all the parties that there would be a certain number of hours. About 100, I guess. Yes, right. When that there would be a fixed number of hours that there would be debate on the bill. Before it came up to vote. Before it would come up to a vote. Now, during this long extended, and it's the longest extension in history, this long extended session of the Diet, the opposition parties employed delaying tactics. And there were many, many of the committee meetings that were simply canceled because there was no way to bring the opposition parties in. They had some kind of objection. They wouldn't cooperate in any way. Mm -hmm. So that the calendar made it impossible to get in that fixed number of hours before the diet session itself expires. Right. So the, uh, the committee chairman said, well, okay, we've done the best we can. Time to go to a vote. Okay. Without getting into a lot of navel gazing and, and a lot of the details, it's kind of important to talk about why it's in the upper house right now. So for a bill to become law, it needs to be passed by the lower house, and it needs to be passed by the upper house, or vice versa. No, it has to be passed by the lower house. And then a clock starts, the 60-day clock. Mm -hmm. Now, if the House of Counselors rejects the bill, it can still go back right. down 
to the House of Representatives where it's revived. And if the ruling coalition has a two-thirds majority, which the ruling coalition does, they can override right. the decision. Also, a possibility is that the upper house takes no action. It gets stuck. It doesn't, it is not able to take action. The 60-day rule still applies. Right. After 60 days, the lower house can re-vote and the thing becomes law. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the backstops to all of this. So not only do the coalitions have majorities in both houses, but if anything happened in the upper house, there was easily the thing would be kicked back to the lower house. Okay, and this probably explains why the prime minister, when he went to Washington, D.C., and he spoke with both houses of the Congress, he said with a high degree of confidence, this will be passed, this will become law. Yeah, because this was, what people have to understand is, even though there are all these obligations, the obligations are, are perfunctory. They have majorities in both mm -hmm. houses. If they really wanted to push the calendar and say, to heck with you, to the opposition, they can. There's no, there's nothing to stop them because they have absolute control. Right. So this has been both a courtesy and sort of a, sure. a, a social duty. Right. And the chairman of the committee is basically, he's, he's kind of buying the favor of the opposition and he's trying to, to calm down the, the, the forcefulness of the majority party. And he's made certain promises. He's, he's actually said, I'll give you 100 hours of debate and we can debate this before I call it to a vote. And he holds that unitary power, that yeah, unilateral power. He, has, he holds that power, and he, and, but he also usually holds to the promise. Right. But here, because of the delaying tactics of the opposition, there was no way that he could keep that promise before the diet session ran out. And this particular extended session got messed up by the fact that we have a new national set of holidays, right. which is what, Silver Week, which happens next week, which is a, a It a happens right of, after this, uh, we finish taping this, this episode. It starts the next day. <laughs> and what happens is, is that in normal counting, they looked at the days and they said, aha, we'll be able to make it. Then they realized that these would all be national holidays and there would, they weren't gonna have the time. Mm -hmm. And there was, an, and the opposition, of course, was absolutely happy with that. So it's there's a sort of it's sort of a play, it's sort right. of a show that's being put on with the you know both sides are are good guys and bad guys in this. It, the LDP and its coalition partner Cometo have been good guys mm -hmm. in that they said, "Okay, let's at least debate it." Right. We have all the votes. We could tell you to just go to heck, and we just voted into uh, into law. But they didn't. They put on this. You may call it a show, but it certainly has cost the cabinet and the prime minister a great deal of support and a great deal of their their personal capital, their mm -hmm. political capital. So it's a very costly show to put on. Right. But they put it on. And they, in fact, extended the diet in a historically long 95 extra days. But at some point, they have to get to a vote. And the opposition, yes, they're trying to fight in their view for the retention and the, and, and the salvation of the Constitution that was established in 1946. But their tactics were going to go against the country's ability to function as a representative of democracy. Mm -hmm. They were basically trying to short circuit the ability of a majority, and, and, a, and a thumping majority, in the House of Reps and the House of Counselors to do the job. Right, there. right. Let's, let's talk about that part a little bit later, but right now let's talk about the dynamics and the drama that we witnessed last night and what's going on right now. So if people are, and I watched TV, I'm sure you did last night, and watched uh, the ongoing shenanigans, um, they might come to the wrong conclusion. I mean, perhaps foreign viewers might look at what's going on in diet proceedings, of, for example, last night, and say, wow, that looks like what goes on in Taiwan. And in Taiwan, it's really rough. I mean, people throw punches and um, chairs are thrown and that sort of thing. Well, yeah, there's, there's a particular image in the, of, the, of that last night's debate, which has a clenched fist against a person's face. Yes. And, and the clenched fist is by a former ground self-defense forces colonel, which makes it all the better for... With, with the ruling 
party. With the ruling party, right. and he's got his fist to his the face of a member of the, the DPJ. Right. Uh, it was not a punch thrown. Right. It was just, they came together, and instead of having his hand open, he had his hand in a fist, which is probably good, because you can, you can really hurt your fing- self, somebody with your fingers. But... Uh, it it was broadcast all but over it the makes, world. But it makes good drama, doesn't it? Oh, it I looks mean, and it looks great. It looks great. But that's what I wanted to talk about. That this this drama, this this kabuki that's going on. I mean, when they rushed the podium and they tried to grab the microphone and and tried to uh, protect the, um, the the committee chairman. I mean, this is all a well practiced art. Everybody that was participating in that had nice suits on, and after the fray, everybody had nice suits on. I don't know. There, there's a certain honesty to it, and yes, it's it's also again a performance for television. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it's pretty intense, and there is a possibility of people getting injured right. because sometimes they, they really are doing the 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 dive mm-hmm. like a mosh pit at a concert. Just wow! No, you could see that. Right? They, they do that. Uh, they have a certain degree of confidence that people won't suddenly part and let them <laughs> fall to the ground. But the the uh, the issue is, is that the vehemence and the energy of the DPJ and the opposition parties would probably not exist if it were not the fact that outside the dice, yes. all these weeks and months, there have been organized and well-attended protests. Thousands, thousands of people. This hasn't happened, Michael, for, what, 40 years? I mean, there hasn't been this much public outcry and, and this massive uh, collective energy directed at the parliament uh, since 1960. We're, we're watching history being made. It's really been incredibly well organized. Mm-hmm. It started out kind of vague, and it's so extraordinarily different from the disorganized and, frankly, I'm not say boring, but simply not engaging protests against nuclear power. Right. Those went on for a very, very long time, but it, they looked disorganized. They did not have a message, or, or they did not have a message. These things have gone, ve- have been very pungent. Right. And <clears throat> let's, let's give the, the, uh, the organizers credit. They've worked out the fact that they, first of all, have to put students at the front, and students as the vanguards of you know, guardians of the future, people whose futures will be affected by all of this, especially people who could be, there was even a a time when they were in the diet talking about, are you going to revive the draft? And and the LDP said, what? (laughs) (laughs) Why why are you doing this? Well, it makes a lot of sense when you think that the students were the the people outside. Right. And, And they're very photogenic. They made a very careful choice of some very good looking Mm-hmm. Uh, persons to be the spokes, man and woman, for this group. Right. And they look good on camera. They speak well. It's been a completely different environment. Right. And that really ha- has been one of the two things that emboldened the opposition to really sure. try to fight this one. Sure. Well, that was exactly my point, that it is a dramatic display for other purposes Besides, we're doing this because we think we can turn the tide. They can't turn the they tide. They can't turn the tide, no. But it's, it's a drama for showing the people who are outside and also people who are going to be voting in the next upper house election, which will include a lot of these kids outside who are now going to have that ability to vote. So it's, it really is a confluence of, of terrific forces that you know have been uh, separately uh, topics of Tokyo on Fire. We've talked about the law that's allow, that allows people 18 and 19 years old to vote for the first time, as well as you know the, dyna- the dynamics between the COMETO and the LDP and what the COMETO stands for. Yeah, that's, this is all very, very carefully done, I must say. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say what the other big uh, trigger to this was the LDP's boneheaded invitation of a law professor to a committee without vetting what his opinions were. And then when the committee asked, well, is this new legislation constitutional? He said, well, you have to say, based on precedent and, uh, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, no. Right. That let loose that was a the mistake. floodgate. It was not a mistake. It was catastrophic. Mm-hmm. 
it completely undermined everything. And it was just one man's opinion. Sure. And he wasn't a member of the diet, and he was just called in as an expert witness. Mm -hmm. But suddenly, what was more abundant, oh, well, there's, there's no hope, we, we just have to let it happen and we'll see what goes. Well, isn't that... that it was completely reversed by that one person's saying no. Well, isn't that kind of a, a recurring theme with the, the LDP that frequently they get caught in, in the arrogance of power? They know they have the votes. They know they have, you know, the sway of, of political power and they get a little bit lazy. They get a little bit complacent. They get a little bit pushy. And that's really what turns voters off. Yeah, well, we'll see how this happens in terms of this one bill has had numerous instances of this arrogance of power yeah. getting in the way. We had the incredible well, it's not incredible when you think about his thinking, but incredible blunder by advisor to the prime minister, Isozaki, right. when he spoke what he was thinking rather than what he was supposed to say. And what he was thinking was, who cares if the law is constitutional or not? That's not what's important. What's important is whether it helps Japan's defense. Right. And he said it in public and said it out loud. You don't even say it in private because mm -hmm. it might be reported in the newspapers. Oh, it was a disaster. And he had to actually, and he wasn't even in diet testimony, he was outside, but he had to go into the diet and personally retract his own words mm -hmm. because he spoke his, his thoughts and, he's, and there's definitely the thoughts of the prime minister as well. Okay, even though the bill is now I mean, we don't know where it is right well, now. Well, it's, 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 it's a law. Let's, okay. By the Let's time say, people who watch this, you know, when this is loaded up, it will be a law. Okay. Right now, there's a, a couple of considerations for a no-confidence motion, no confidence against the prime minister, against the, the chairman of the committee, this and that. It's just, once again, a, a several tactics to delay the vote. The vote will probably happen today. But there, there, there are the tactics to delay the vote. And the vote would have been at 10 o'clock this morning, but they submitted a no confidence, the, the opposition, I should say, not they, the, the opposition submitted a no confidence vote right. against first the Speaker of the House. When that failed, they went to a no confidence motion on Prime Minister Abe himself. Right. But, and that's delaying tactics. But what they did last night at two, well, that's this morning at two o'clock in the morning, was they submitted a no confidence motion against the Minister of Defense. That was the first one that they did. And that was what that means is, and that has a really deep meaning, is that Prime Minister, uh, that Minister Nakatani, the Defense Minister, is gone. Mm -hmm. The tradition is, if you are the target of a no-confidence motion, well, in this case, it's not a no-confidence motion, it's a censure motion, that no-confidence is only in the, in the House of Reps, but those are technical terms. If you're the target of one of these, either in the House of Reps or in the House of, of Councillors, you, you cannot serve in the next mm -hmm. cabinet. Right. You're well, gone. Well, how convenient that we've got a uh, cabinet shuffle just just a probably few, a few weeks days away. or weeks away. Yeah, and, and, and it, but it guarantees that he won't be mm -hmm. reappointed. We kind of thought so anyway. Well, he, his, his performance the past few weeks right. and months has been an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. And even conservative commentators have said, this guy has got to go. Yeah. So you have to think there might have been even a little bit of collusion on the part of the opposition this guy's a goner okay. anyway, yeah. so let's do the, the, the no... The, Maybe we'll collect a couple of votes from the LDP. Exactly. <laughs> that, it has happened in the past. No, and it's happened this time too. There were a couple of parties that were not quite in the LDP and not quite in Cometo, kind of floating, and they did come in and vote along the lines of the, uh, the coalition partners. Yeah, in this case, we have... Surprising, actually. I don't think so, because... Here's the deal. The, the Prime Minister and his party, in order to extend this image of we're open Inclusion, to we're, right. yeah, we're open to other ideas, open to other parties, invited the Japan Innovation Party mm -hmm. to offer its own counter bill and that that would be debated and we, they were entirely open to this process. What that means is that we're trying to drive a wedge between the Japan Innovation Party and the DPJ, the main opposition party. Uh, that was the plan. But the Japan Innovation Party split up mm -hmm. during the course of this process. So there was no deal. Right. That, there was no bill that could be 
brought as a counter bill. There was it, the whole plan fell apart. What they did in the end get were these three micro right wing vanity projects. You know, these these tiny parties. The, the Renaissance Party has a single member, right? Uh, and they that was their broad coalition. And the, on, when the vote in the committee came, it I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing, really, uh. that you get the, the you have to go to the freak show. Rather than to have an actual party. Well, what do they say? Politics makes a strange bedfellows. Oh, these are yeah, these are strange this bedfellows. Is, okay. These are these are th- these are truly uh, marginal parties. This, if if the government claims, oh, in fact, I think uh, the chief cabinet minister, uh, chief cabinet secretary. Uh, Suga this morning, in fact, said something on the lines of, "We had a, a multi-party coalition vote for yeah. these things." When you have two or three people from other places, give me a break. Sure. But, but, you know, technically it's true. Okay, well, part of the theme here is that there is a kind of a a movement now, and it'll probably increase uh, towards the upper house election that will be in mid-2016. Yeah, and it's going to be really very difficult to get a a real read on this Mm -hmm. because a lot of... In, interpreters and commentators on Japan are looking about at what happened and they're somehow saying that this is bad for the DPJ. Mm-hmm. The DPJ showed that it was unable to stop the process. I have no idea where they're getting this. Mm-hmm. The DPJ couldn't stop the process a year ago right. if it tried. There's, they had never had a chance. Mm-hmm. What happened during these past few months was a dramatic deviation from the smooth executive we can pass anything we'll go through the motions mm-hmm. but they are the motions okay don't forget it kind of image that abe and company wanted to to send right. that got blown to pieces and it, they, a lot of times it, the they just went right off the road mm-hmm. they got back on again because of course it, it's it's a it's their road and it's a straight one all the way to passage right. but Gosh, they've made a a real hash of things. Well, that's what makes this exercise that we're in, Tokyo on Fire, so intriguing and interesting. And I learn a lot from it because politics changes a lot and it changes every day. And those changes at the political level rather uh, run rather deep and and, uh, broad. And so the politics now will shift from the security legislation that the prime minister has spent an awful lot of political capital on, and now it should go to the economy. So who knows how that's going to change things, but with regard to the security legislation, we consider that as already uh, knocked up. It's done. The diet session will end at the, the scheduled time. The prime minister will then use September, I'm sorry, the last day of September and then October for his international jaunts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a good time. There's the UN General Assembly is coming up. All of the the different meetings that he can attend, and he's going and, to and Jamaica, man. <clears throat> that's right. He's going. Yes. He's going to Jamaica, and he can keep st- getting more stamps in his passport, which is the most full passport of any prime minister, and mm-hmm. that's that's good for him. It gets him out of the country. Gets him away from this issue. Right now, what's going to happen then is we have an extraordinary diet session. This is the ordinary diet session. It's been extended longer than any other one. But even though we've had this extra time to work on all these bills and and pass a lot of them, they're going to have the extraordinary one. Because... Within this year, before the end of the year. Within this year and before basically December the 27th. On December the 28th, as we all know, Japan shuts down. Right. And gets ready for the new year. And on the 26th, it will be the anniversary of his election as prime minister. So he's going to want to be in town on that day. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at the 27th for the extraordinary session to end. Okay. And it'll be about a month long. So backtrack that, getting to the last week of November. But it's not going to be much more than a month. And it's only going to be considering the compilation of the budget. Nothing right. really important otherwise is going to get done because... They're basically exhausted after yes. this process. It's uh, a long. It's been a very long 245 days. Right, and it's not just uh, them who are exhausted. I mean, the politicians who are exhausted, the bureaucrats are exhausted, and the people who are lining up uh, out in front of the diet. They didn't, are they didn't get to have a summer holiday. They right. didn't get to things. Didn't get to slow down. Nothing slowed down. 
they're going to need a long break. Let's talk about the security legislation. There's been a lot of rumor and innuendo that it's going to be troops on on the ground and the draft will be reinitiated or that, um, you know, Japanese soldiers will be in the line of fire and that sort of thing. So um, one of the arguments was we, you know, you cannot touch the Constitution. This is this is against the Constitution. But really, the bills that have been passed are not changing the Constitution. They're just interpreting differently certain parts of the Constitution with regard to collective self-defense. Yeah, they're saying that yes, the Cabinet Legislative Bureau has said that collective self-security is now constitutional. Previously, it has said that it, it wasn't. Now. People might not understand it, but that there is a determination in the Japanese constitution that the only body that is empowered with deciding whether something is constitutional or not is the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And the government does not dispute that. However, as a matter of co convenience, basically, the Cabinet Legislative Bureau has pre-checked every bit of legislation before it's ever been submitted mm -hmm. for constitutionality so that it would never have to go to the Supreme Court. That was what was changed this time around. Mr. Abe came into office, he put in a brand new person in the Cabinet Legislative Bureau, and whereas the, the CLB had previously always said in every one of its determinations, collective self-defense is unconstitutional, this new guy said, oh wait, well, actually it is. Right. And it's that switch, which has, is not based on some kind of constitutional power that has been the entire fight, or that's the fulcrum point. And perhaps people overseas don't understand that. Mm -hmm. They think that it's ha whether Japan wants to be a peace nation or a war nation. Certainly, there are people who argue you know, that we are a peace nation and that we should be proud of that and never get involved. But the, the technical issue right. has been on the, on the who gets to say, what the Constitution says or not. Right. So to be clear, the bills that have just passed the Diet session today are not changes to the Constitution. They're just reinterpretations of certain components that make up the, defense, uh, the Article 9. Yeah, based, based on the determination of the Cabinet Legislative Bureau. The right. collective security is okay. Right. And the, the decider of whether this is constitutional or not is perhaps the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court can't, can't step in now. This is a political process. That's right. What and they have to wait for is a case, a real case, a real controversy, and then they're put in a position, well, first of all, they have to have an aggrieved party, a party that can represent that, that violation of what they interpret to be a, a, a breach of the, the law, and bring that to the Supreme Court, and then the, the Supreme Court can evaluate. Yeah, and, and one of the things that people will tell you privately is that they can't imagine what, who that aggrieved party right. would be. Mm -hmm. So that it's, it's the, the government really wins in mm -hmm. the end because there's really no sense of any kind of uh, repeat of the Sunagawa case right. where a group of individuals invaded a U.S. Air Force base and it came down to the Supreme Court to decide whether or not the presence of United States forces Japan was constitutional or not. And it was their determination that it was, that Japan has the right of, to choose a means of defending itself. Now, what this particular administration has said is that decision also allows collective security. That's been another uh, huge, again, legal point. So there are two things going on. There's, there are people who like Japan as a peaceful nation that's not involved in international affairs in a military way. Yes, we'll send aid workers. Yes, we'll send lots of aid. But that's that's been the way we've earned a lot of respect and a lot of affection in the world. And maybe we'll gas up your tankers. And a few things, right. right. We'll do some things. But we'll stay out of it. And then there is an equally sizable group of people who say, the world is a very complicated and dangerous place. Japan itself is in a great deal of pressure, at least feeling a lot of pressure, uh, from states in the region. And we need to keep the United States engaged. We're going to have to do more. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, there's that fight. But then there's the really a, a far broader coalition of people. A big number think that the, what the Abe administration has done in terms of the handling of the Constitution 
is beyond the pale. Right. Well, by a two to one margin, easily. Well, there are a lot of Americans that say, my gosh, uh, Donald Trump, in fact, said, you know, what are they doing getting this free ride for so long? So uh, Japan- <laughs> To which, to which the, the, they should say, you know, we had a public hearing here uh -huh. and 93 people applied to speak and all 93 were against it. That's right. And, and, that, and that really freaked out the government as well. The government attracted not a single person to argue its point. Mm -hmm. that, and that was a public hearing with a public invitation. You know, mm -hmm. ple please come with your arguments. 93 to zip. Well, that, that says a lot about a lot of different things. I mean, you don't want to be the person to kind of stick out and champion an unpopular issue, even though you might feel it. But I think on this particular issue, the default is let's stick with the Constitution. Let's continue on with this economic uh, uh, focus that we've had without having to devote resources to defending our country. And we're, we're benefiting from this nuclear umbrella that's provided by the United States. And that seems to be working okay. But, you know, we're paying a lot for it too. And, and for analysts and looking at Japan, they've been waiting for a new story. Why should I invest in Japan? Mm -hmm. what's, what's, what's good about what's happening? And this six-month process of going through the security legislation has basically blinded everyone to anything else, sure. including the government. Its time has been completely absorbed in trying to defend its position. Mm -hmm. And you hear a lot of people saying, let's get back to Abenomics, the, the world economy, the various markets in the world are crashing, the values of currencies versus the dollar are crashing. We have all kinds of things that need to be handled. Get off this subject and get back to the, to the real business of, of business. Right. Well, geopolitically, there is a lot going on in this region. And without the, the presence of Japan, I mean, this, this region, I mean, we talked about TPP. Mm -hmm. It was the focus of one of our, our uh, episodes. Uh, what, 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 what TPP? TPP, I, I, yes. I, I, I don't recall anything called TPP. What is that? We talked about <laughs> TPP and then we talked about the, the leaking of uh, the United States spying on, uh, on Japan. Oh uh, yes, I recall. Right. It's some kind of partnership. You, yes, uh, it's a partnership. It's a closely tied partnership between the United Seriously, States. Seriously, that's how far off the radar it has right. fallen. But you, it's important. The security legislation is important. I think Japan needs to move to, to identify itself and to take a, a larger role in, in world politics. And many people right. here in Japan agree with that. It's just the methods that the LDP and Mr. Abe have pre personally used. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, he doesn't like the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So that you can't really expect him to really go and be very, very careful and very legalistic about sure. a document that he doesn't like. Well, there are a lot of people that, like, that are like that. You know, the, the, the right wing here has a presence. It's a, it's a pronounced presence. And there are a lot of people who, who hearken back to the good old days when, when Japan was an empire and we had, we had our, own, our own image of ourselves and we were, we were projecting our image. I mean, a lot of people have a nostalgia for that. And, and, and certainly the present constitution prevents a return to Japan's glory. Right. And certainly, and, you know, he, when he first ran for office, he was constantly harping on the fact that everyone knows that the Constitution of Japan right. uh, is written by Americans. It was written by Americans over basically a week. The people in the occupation uh, mm -hmm. civil division wrote out this new document and presented it to the Japanese Of side. course, they pulled their hair out because they couldn't get a decision. They had wanted the Japanese to to craft their own legislation. And they'd come back with these little tiny things. They, could, they couldn't changes. do it. They couldn't do the radical change that, they, right. that the Americans wanted. So the Americans presented them a document of, that was well, then if, translated into sort of ugly Japanese. If you've been in Japan long enough doing business, you can kind of feel the frustration that probably uh, GSQ was feeling at that point in time. Yeah, the GHQ was definitely feeling it. And uh, we're going a little bit off topic, but you, you have to understand that for Mr. Abe, he would constantly use the image of a constitution graft, dr drawn by our own hands, mm -hmm. written in our, by our own hands. And like that's going to happen? It, well, no, it is. It's going to happen someday. Uh, the, the current document has never been changed. No, it's, it, it's unique in the world, isn't it? It really is unique, a unique, unique situation where it's gone. It's, it's probably going to make it through the, its 70th anniversary without a change of any kind. 
maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that that after that something will be possible. But the current DPJ government, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the current DPJ says that they will okay no changes to the constitution as long as Abe is prime minister, and so okay, well, we can wait though, and. It's not always going to be a situation where the LDP needs to re- rely on a coalition partner. Well, it doesn't. In this case, the, the Komeito is a, is basically along with the, the LDP, and there are elements within the DPJ who are ready for constitutional reform. However, the leadership of the of the DPJ is dead set against mm-hmm. it. Now, that's what makes next year's House of Councillors election so interesting, because. The party that's defending seats in the House of Councils election is not the LDP. The defenders are going to be DPJ. Now, the DPJ has to craft a strategy to hold on to those seats so that it holds on to its influence and, and prevents the LDP from getting the two-thirds majority in the House of Councillors that will give it the possibility and, and, and the capacity to change the Constitution. It I, doesn't have that now, but... We'll look at we're looking at July two thousand sixteen when the election no, it's, happens. No, it's going to be a very exciting race. There's going to be a lot of fisticuffs, and and certainly this strategy of delaying and pretending well, not pretending of portraying themselves as the defenders of the constitution is a part of the long term strategy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't win the DPJ any particular set of votes. Now you would probably want to. If you're going want to actually win, let's say a by-election for right. a seat that's emptied by someone who passes away, you probably need to put together a coalition of various interest groups and pander to them. That's mm-hmm. the way that they got into power in 2009 under the direction of the great electoral master Ozawa Ichiro. But instead of that, they're they're setting themselves up as moral paragons. Right. And well, that makes no sense in the short term. It may pay off big next year, because by that time, people might be really sick right. of, of the way that Well, the especially in light of the way things happened last night and the portrayal of that and the, the return to arrogance and that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and, and the national broadcaster even seemed to have switched sides during this in that the NHK, the national broadcaster, has been very wary of trying to promote or, or, or even cover the protests or the actions of the, the opposition parties as anything more than just a sideshow. Right. Instead, during this last few days, the sideshow has been the supporters. They they did very, very craftily and very dramatically, they contrasted the pro-legislation uh, dem- uh, rally versus the demonstrations. And the rally was, they went in front of Shinjuku, the world's busiest station, right? And they could hand, get together Five, six, seven onlookers right. to get together and cheer. Save Japan! Yay! <laughs> Preserve Japan! Yay! And it was, and the and the national broadcaster broadcast that, mm-hmm. and then would go to the protests in front, and show the thousands of people there, pounding on drums and singing and all this stuff that they do there, and waving the flags and all. Well, listen, it was really impressive. There's a typhoon that is approaching. One just left last week. Tremendous rain last night. And, and Tokyo they was, stayed through they it all. They stayed through it all. Through, past midnight, the trains closed down. It was, it was very impressive. Yeah, the, well, they were, the, the diet was still in session. The, 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 the diet members were still struggling. And they, the protesters were out there. Mm-hmm. It was you know, democracy in action. And, 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 and Japan is a liberal democracy. And it has a vibrant protest and yeah. uh, opposition facet to it. Of course, all kinds of institutionalized unfairnesses exist. Primarily the unfairness in terms of the disparity in the weight of votes in the House of Representatives between rural and urban areas. Urban areas with their large populations are, are short-changed, and rural areas are way overrepresented. It's not, the, it's not the only... Of sometimes course, two to one. Yeah, two to one. So that a, a person living in the city is a half a person, whereas a person living in the country is, is a full citizen. Right. Yeah, that exists, and that's institutionalized, and it causes all kinds of trouble. But nevertheless... This is a vibrant environment, and this process 
rather than being demoralizing, has really energized a lot of people. Well, not only is it vibrant, but you don't see police with truncheons. There are no water cannons. The, the Though there are a lot of police. 6,000 surrounded, surrounded the diet. 6,000. They're really concerned. Yes, but they're polite. And, I mean, they, there is a show of force, but, I mean, the, the, the interaction between the police and the protesters, I mean, there was a little bit of, of uh, you know... Well, it's not like wrestling. the police can smile at them or anything. Right. It's, it's probably against regulations. But they do apologize, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Excuse, Excuse me. me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to now beat you. Yes. <laughs> but, but very, very gently. And, and, and that, yeah, it's true. They, right. they are quite polite. But mostly they are stone-faced. So yes. it, it, does, it does have, a, again, a visual impact with the stone-faced police facing off against the 16, 17-year-olds uh, and, right. and behind them a whole bunch of grandmas and grandpas. Right. It looks really funny. Listen, before we get too far afield, let's just talk for, for those people who might not know about what this new legislation allows Japan to do that it was unable to do before. And it's it's not a whole lot, but it is very impactful with regard to, you know, putting Japanese citizens, Japanese troops in the potential line of fire. Basically, it does four things. There are actually quite a number of, of scenarios in which it comes into play. But basically, the concept is if other countries' uh, ships are helping an evacuation, including Japanese citizens, a Japanese uh, self-defense forces weapon system, either a plane or a ship, can fire on someone who attacks these people who are trying to escape via this third country's vessel uh, or, or whatever transport it may be. That before they didn't have that capacity mm -hmm. because it, there was not an attack on Japanese forces. Right. Therefore, there was no ability to return fire, or in this case, initiate fire. There would be be, they have up. that ability. Right. They have an ability now in terms of a UN peacekeeping force to participate in the defense of someone who is being attacked, who is another country's troops that are part of the same PKO. They can now go to the, the, the aid of them in terms of uh, uh, of defending them against a party that is not attacking the Japanese forces. Right. And importantly, it's not geographically restricted to the Asia-Pacific region or the waters surrounding Japan. Yeah. And th then some technical issues were, were also cleared up. And these are, are really piddling. The one is that if there is ever a blockade of the Strait of Hormuz right. using land on the sea mines, can Japanese demining vessels, and Japanese are among the finest deminers in the world, can they go, even while, if a, if a shooting war is going on, can they go and demine that, that region? And this legislation says, yes, they can. Whereas previously, all determinations have been, no, the, the, the shooting has to stop, there has to be a ceasefire, there has to be some kind of negotiations going on, and then Japanese uh, self-defense forces can go and clear the mines. Mm -hmm. The other issue is the having to do with missile defense, where a... Japanese Aegis destroyer, which has the SM-3 anti-missile missile loaded on it along with its amazing ability to see objects in the sky, it spots, for example, a launch of a very large rocket. We don't know if it's a missile or just a, a rocket in, from out of a site in North Korea that's going going to go way over Japan. No way the thing could hit Japan. Mm -hmm. It's going to pass over. So Japan is not under attack. The determination under this new legislation is that with a good chance that this high altitude uh, trajectory is going to lead to a splashdown either near or on U.S. territory, the, the self-defense forces can shoot down that uh, missile while it's on the ascent. Mm -hmm. And while, and while they can still get it with their SM-3 uh, system, even though it's not going to hit Japan. That was always a piddling point that the Ministry of Defense and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs used to just harp on, harp on in terms of this legislation. Everybody knew, on, on a basic sense, that if a missile were launched in the direction of 
the United States and Japan didn't shoot it down, the alliance was over. Right. So that any ship captain knew that whatever it, the law says, he, he has the right to shoot it down. It right. doesn't matter, mm -hmm. you know, because the, the alliance and Japan's total security is on the line. But this was a technical point, and the, the defense ministry and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs have long used it to dig away at the arguments of, well, in this case, the DPJ, but opposition forces to any kind of changes in the law. Mm -hmm. Some of the developments that are going on now in North Korea are that uh, their, their missile capabilities and their, their throw weight capabilities have really... Um, and the ability to put a, a, a nuclear weapon on top of that missile right. are all, all advancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So apparently the United States and Japan saw this coming as, as a, a general um, evolution that is inescapable, and probably the security legislation is, um, is just uh, the, the right time. Yeah, but they used it as a crowbar to get other things. Mm -hmm. And it was for a point that everybody knew was absurd, right. that there was never any chance. And, and indeed, during this debate, um, the uh, head of the DPJ, Mr. Okada, point blank asked Mr. Abe, okay, there's a ship leaving some country or peninsula or something nearby, which is evacuating and it has on it a Japanese woman and her baby. Okay, this is this. They always had used this imagery, the the both the, the ruling party and the ministries of a Japanese woman and her baby evacuating on a another country's vessel from some conflict, and suddenly that vessel is attacked and there's an SDF destroyer right next to it. And under the law, the SDF destroyer cannot save anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, Okada point blank asked Mr. Abe, now, if we had this situation and there was an SDF destroyer, are you telling me that you would not give the order to, to attack that force that's attacking that vessel? Are you seriously telling me that you will respect the constitutional injunction at that point, given a real situation. And he didn't expect that question because we're dealing with things that, and scenarios that are obvious. Right. If there were, if in a real world situation, the captain of the ship would take upon his own authority, the ability to defend. Right, and maybe deal with the consequences later, later on you, his own accord. On his right. own accord, except court-martial, except whatever, right? right? Mm -hmm. For having done the right thing. Uh, and and in, particularly in the Navy, they have that tradition. Pre-war as mm -hmm. well. They, the, in, the, uh, in the fall of Smyrna, under, under Turkish forces, the only ships that took refugees, Greek refugees who were trying to flee from the Turkish forces, were Japanese Navy vessels. Every other country's Navy had its vessels in the port, and they watched the, the city burn and all the people get massacred. Right. Only the Japanese made that choice and said, we don't care what the rules are, we'll we're, these people need to be held. Well, uh, and so there's a tradition there. Sure, and it's, it is another diversion, but what a great decision that was. The relations between that country and Japan have have been very rich and uh, mutually beneficial. Yeah, in this since. case, it went against that tradition because it wasn't the, Turk, the Turks, they were Greeks they were saving. Mm -hmm. But it was just, the, they didn't even think about the, the long-term strategic implications. Simply, the there, were, there, were, there were civilians who were in grave danger and they saved them. So they have this tradition of, of doing the right thing. Uh, they also have tra other traditions of not doing such the right thing, uh, which is probably what the Chinese and Jap Korean governments are going to be talking about now the legislation has passed. You know, it's interesting when we reflect on Tokyo on Fire. Our very first podcast was on security legislation. The first one that we recorded, yeah. And that was 26 episodes ago. Yeah. And since then, we have had more than 10,000 individual visitors to Tokyo on Fire who have watched one of these episodes and the numbers just continue to grow and it's just interesting. I don't know if we'll have another uh, uh, episode that focuses on the security legislation. Well, not for another six months. Maybe not, right. Yeah, but, but still, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, it's, it's, it's great that these things are, are available and that we've been able to talk about them and that we're, we're 
I really hope we have a chance in six months' time to see how this is all played out. And it will be, of course, getting it running into the run-up for the election. Right. So just to wrap things up, the Diet will be in session now for probably another week or so. We'll go on vacation. We'll come back. They'll close up the Diet. Probably have an extended session. It will close up at the end oh, the, of this and year. Oh, extraordinary session. Right. This have a, an extraordinary session. Yeah. And, but that's only, this is going to be very perfunctory. It's not going to be like in previous years where it's been several months to, to mm -hmm. pass big legislation. It's just to do some basic housekeeping. We've only got two months left. Yeah, right. It's right. only a very, very short amount of time. Right. So it's not going to be long. And then in the new year, sometime in January, maybe even under February, it depends on when they want to start, the, they'll start the regular session. Right. They'll start the regular session. The emperor comes out of the palace and opens the new diet session. That's as it, it's his constitutional duty. That's right. And he does that. And we'll be on our way for the next year. Any predictions going forward, Michael, before we wrap this up? Any predictions would be kind of hard. It's been a very, very rough ride. But we saw the cabinet have a really significant fall in its popularity. And people were really wondering mm -hmm. whether Abe would even be reelected. There was a there was a thought that there might be a dark horse candidate who might come out and try to challenge him. That came and went. That came and went. He's in an extremely strong position. There was not even a vote. No one came out to, to even try to challenge him. And at that point, we're seeing someone who's probably going to go for the next three years. Right. So a cabinet reshuffle is imminent. And don't you think that this one is going to be really it's focused be on... It's going to be big. And, and it's going to be focused on the economic underpinnings of getting this country back on track. And there's, there's nothing else that they need to do in terms of the security legislation. It's eaten up a, a lot of time. They want to move on. Mm -hmm. And they, they know that they've not sold Abenomics and that people don't see a story there. Right. And until they figure out some way of selling something new, other than simply having the Bank of Japan do another round of monetary easing, it's going to be very tough for people to say, Japan is back. Thank you, Michael. Great comment. And with that, I think I'd like to wrap up today's Tokyo on Fire. You've been watching episode 26. Our burning issue today has been the security legislation. It is being punched through the diet process right now as we speak. We really appreciate you watching this podcast and providing comments and recommendations to us. As you know, you can post your comments to us via email at comments at tokyoonfire.com. Alternatively, you can reach us at Twitter via hashtag Tokyo on Fire. Probably the best way to interact with us is just putting your comments into the dialog box on YouTube. And finally, you can download this podcast on iTunes. Once again, thank you very much for watching. My name is Timothy Langley. See you next week.